Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. During the summer when the weather gets hot, I can only imagine how much time you plan to spend outside with friends or alone on your couch with that AC blasting. AT&T 5G and home internet keeps you connected so you can enjoy all the summertime vibes. Whether you're sharing pics from a rooftop, video calling your friends from an outdoor concert, or streaming your favorite show episode after episode. So stay connected to your favorite people and your favorite things with AT&T 5G and home internet. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and device. Coverage not available everywhere. Learn more at att.com slash 5G for you. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about tikka masala. Oh, uh, oh, the cravings. Yes. Oh, Jeez. yes. This is, uh, y'all, I did the research for this yesterday and I immediately ordered a lot of Indian takeout that night. <laughs> I looked up how to make chicken tikka masala and was immediately deterred. <laughs> Not because it was super hard, but I just didn't have a lot of that stuff. Like, that would have been a lot of substitutions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a pretty... I, you, you can make substitutions, but, um, but yes. To have maybe a half, I would say, half of the ingredients. Oh, I was like, oh, that's yeah, a that different was, thing. <laughs> that's a different dish at that point, probably. Yes. But I do, I love chicken tikka masala. I have made it before, just not now, unfortunately. Mm. I will say I ate a lot of it when I was in Britain, but not a lot of it at all when I was in India, which might, might speak to its history, which is a teaser. Yeah, spoiler, OMG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not a, it's not, it's not my favorite dish, uh, but it's tasty. Um, I just got to... 
a big old tray of it from your decab farmer's market a couple weeks ago. And it was a really, really, really nice, really nice comfort food. It is indeed. Oh. <laughs> hmm and uh, doing this this research reminded me of uh, of when we got to interview uh, Mirwan Arani, uh, who's who's a, a chef who's gotten four dang James Beard nominations for serving Indian street food at his restaurants in Asheville, North Carolina, and here in Atlanta, um, because he he explained that the foods that are served, especially buffet style, at many Indian restaurants in the United States. Uh, are are what he calls like wedding banquet food, um, stuff that most folks in India would only eat at like a kind of fancy catered party, um, and and furthermore that like that saying Indian food like it's a monolith is pretty ridiculous to begin with because India has over a billion people with just like countless regional uh, foodstuffs and recipes and preferences and traditions and influences. So it's not just the one thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was certainly my experience when I was in India. I, I loved hearing conversations about northern Indian food versus southern Indian food and then breaking it down even more than that. And I love how every—because I did get to travel pretty pretty widely when I was in India. And just, you know, everybody wants to share that special dish from their region. Oh, and it was so uh, different. Um, and China's the same way. I, I I'm pretty sure I've told this story before— but in my experience, most of Chinese food in the United States is specifically from Hong Kong. And that's huh. like it. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so, it is a huge category of all these different different food items and taste. And, and it was all delicious. And I, I miss it and crave it almost all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so uh, hard with foods that you can't, you just can't get around here. Yeah. I know, and some of them I don't even know what they were. Like, I can't even... Sure. Like, I, I think it was tofu. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like any tofu I've had. I brought that up before, and somebody did help me find out what that might have been. It's like a bean noodle sheet thing. Uh, it sounds weird, but it's delicious. Oh, I believe you. Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's get to our question. Yes. Redirect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tikka masala. What is it? Well, uh, tikka masala can be many things, uh, but at its heart, it's a, it's a dish of like chunks of usually some kind of protein simmered in a, a pureed tomato sauce with some kind of dairy, yogurt and or cream, and some kind of oil, preferably ghee, which is a browned clarified butter, to, to make that pureed tomato sauce creamy. Um, and then that sauce is spiced warm with a, with a blend, including things like coriander, cumin, cardamom, cloves, cinnamon, things that don't start with the letter C, like turmeric, um, peppercorns, plus some ginger, garlic, and onion, maybe chili paste or chili powder. Uh, the protein is often chicken, but can be anything from goat to fish to chunks of uh, semi-soft fresh cheese, paneer. Um, and the result is this rich, saucy, savory dish that's served hot with a uh, rice and or flatbread, like the like just the most stalwart creamy tomato soup. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's another art project. Stalwart <laughs> creamy tomato soup. I, I, I'm going to workshop this. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, but but yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's break all of this down just a little bit more, though, because, uh, okay, as as I understand it, tikka basically means um, bits or pieces of, of stuff. 
and most often indicates that the stuff in question has been marinated in yogurt and lemon juice and spices and then grilled like hot and quick until it's charred on the outside and juicy on the inside. So good. Um, and masala um, just means spices and indicates like a, like a blend of ground spices. And what's in that blend will will vary uh, depending on the cook and on the blend's purpose. Um, like, a, like, like Irani, Mar- Marwan Irani, um, also has a brand of packaged spices called Spicewala. It's excellent. They, they, they ship. Check them out if you're looking for spices right now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, they sell like a tandoori masala, a pakora masala, a chai masala, a chaat masala, um, you know, blends that are inspired by or intended for each of those dishes. So it's just a spice blend. Um, and the ingredients in the tandoori masala include garam masala. So <laughs> so it's a it's a spice blend within a spice blend. Um, and and mm. garam, by the way, just means hot. Um, uh, but but it's like heating, not in the hot spicy sense, but rather in like the Ayurvedic sense. Of of warming the body, so oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Anyway, so like a, so like properly, your tikka masala should be a uh, marinated grilled protein that's then stewed in your spiced sauce or or covered with your spiced sauce. Though lots of recipes call for just stewing. You can totally make it at home, um, and and you can you, you can you can adapt the recipe because it's it's not what I would call a very strict recipe. All right. I have message received. I will try again. Um, And I do, as someone who has made it at home before, I do highly recommend making it at home. It's one of those things where, at least in my case, I never thought about making it at home. It seemed difficult. And then when I did it, I was like, ah, what accomplishment. Delicious, delicious accomplishment. Oh, yay. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Well, what about the nutrition? Uh, it depends on how you do make it. It can get kind of heavy with the with the cream and the and the ghee or butter or whatever fats you're using. Um, and for sure, you know it's best to pair it with um, with a little bit more vegetables for a boost of vitamins and dietary fiber. But you know it's got a lot of protein um, and an at minimum decent amount of fat. Um, so served with rice or bread, it will fill you up and it will keep you going. Just you know watch your portion sizes, eat a vegetable. Always a proponent of eating a vegetable. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And we do have some numbers for you, specifically when it comes to chicken tikka masala mm-hmm. or in the biz, as it's called, CTM. <laughs> um, that It's no joke. They use that all over the place mm-hmm. when I was researching this. It's popular dish all over, although some South Asians are disappointed by that fact. Again, according to some very opinionated articles I read. Mm-hmm. According to The Economist, 2.5 billion pounds of the dish are consumed every year as of 2009, and it is one of the most popular dishes in the United Kingdom. I think it's in the top 10 most delivered Mm -hmm. um, dishes. Heinz sells a packaged version. Oh yeah, uh, Hormel also makes fun. There, there are lots of packaged versions out there, from uh, from like frozen and ready to heat and eat versions to like canned sauces to prepared spice blends. It, it really is quite a phenomenon, especially in the UK. Uh, like Marks and Spencer sells prepackaged chicken tikka masala sandwiches. Um, that's like if our like CVS or something had them. Mm-hmm. Um, McDonald's added a version of chicken tikka masala to their uh, limited time Indian inspired menu back in 2001. It's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. And what else is a whole thing? Is the history and the debate around it? Yeah, because if you if you couldn't if you couldn't tell, yes, this is more of a UK thing than 
an India thing. Um, and so, uh, so there, so there's been some, some, some conversation about that. Yeah. Conversation. <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we will get into that. Uh, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash saver. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, yes, as we hinted at, the history of this one is highly debated and Mm -hmm. very contentious. Mm -hmm. Is it an Indian dish? Is it actually from Britain? Is it their riff on curry? Or is it specifically from Glasgow, Scotland? Because... Depending on who you ask, you will get just a huge variety of answers. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, and opinions. One popular story does place the dish's origins to specifically the 1970s and specifically Glasgow, Scotland, as the creation of Pakistani chef Ali Ahmad Aslam. Aslam was the chef of a well-known authentic curry house in that city, Glasgow, called Shish Mahal. After a customer sent chicken back to the kitchen for being dry, Aslam, who was on an all-liquid diet due to an ulcer, added some tomato soup out of a can, story goes, spices to the dish, and then in some versions he added in yogurt based on the chicken tikka that he used to make and that he likes. And to his surprise... The customer loved it and became a regular customer and brought all of his friends and introduced all of his friends to this dish. And the word spread and the popularity grew. It was soon found out throughout the UK. And that is how that version goes. Mm-hmm. It is very popularly told. No legit proof at Z- all. Zero. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Food critic Rahul Verma weighed in on the tikka masala debate with, it's basically a Punjabi dish, not more than 40, 50 years old, and must be an accidental discovery, which has had periodical improvisations. According to him, he tasted what was basically chicken tikka masala as a street food in Uttar Pradesh earlier than this whole Glasgow story. Okay. Yes. But okay. (laughs) Okay. In 2009, Labour MP Mohammed Sarwar formally requested that Parliament officially name Glasgow as the birthplace of chicken tikka masala, and the European Union protected geographical status Whoa. that comes with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like champagne level. That's what he wanted what? for chicken tikka masala. Oh, it no. did not make it to debate. I think that's probably for the good of all of us. Probably. Probably, Lauren. And this was after a 2001 attempt by the then Foreign Secretary of Britain to name chicken tikka masala as the national dish. 
And here is a quote. Chicken tikka masala is now a true Britain national dish, not only because it is the most popular, but because it is a perfect illustration of the way Britain absorbs and adapts external influences. Chicken tikka is an Indian dish. The masala sauce was added to satisfy the desire of British people to have their meat served in gravy. And he and he meant this as a as a positive. Um, Very I, much. To, to me... A perfect illustration of the way Britain absorbs and adapts external influences sounds a little bit negative when you consider colonialism. Um, right. But he but he meant it to be a positive. He did. And it will come as no surprise that <laughs> many people saw it like you, Lauren. <laughs> Especially people from India who very much, some of them very much resented this, seeing it as something that the British stole um, during colonialism and brought back and maybe made it their own, but it still originated in India and that maybe the British adapted it, but they were erasing the true history and painting that erasure with a positive brush of being multicultural. Um, some experts contend that the dish was a product of the British in British India, unable to handle the spice of chicken tikka. Oh, um, so that's kind of like origin story number two. Yeah, yeah. But but yes, this whole thing was a was a whole to do. Um, uh, critics of the foreign secretary's praise called chicken tikka masala innocuous curry, <gasps> and and accused the British at large of having an appetite for only quote the easiest form of exoticism. Mm. Also, a magpie indiscriminacy. Wow. And amended insularity. Those are some harsh takedowns. Those certainly are. Uh, those, those are quotes, by the way, uh, from a book called Food Quality and Consumer Value, Delivering Food That Satisfies. And the latter two are further quoted in that from an article that doesn't appear to be online, um, but it's cited as being from the Times from 2001, uh, uh, the, the, the article being titled, Goodness Gracious, Chicken Tikka Smacks of Our Capability for Self-Delusion. <laughs> That's a pretty great title. I wish I could read that article. It sounds like an absolute, it sounds like an absolute smash. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we can dream one day, maybe. Uh, yeah. From Lizzie Collingham's book, Curry, A Tale of Cooks and Conquerors, quote, it was not a shining example of British multiculturalism, but a demonstration of the British facility for reducing all foreign foods to their most unappetizing and inedible Forms. Oh, snap. Snap, indeed. Gosh, that is un... Okay, okay. You can say what you want to about the origins of chicken tikka masala, but it is not the least appetizing or the least edible form of anything. <laughs> that is pretty harsh, the least edible. Uh, but people, they got strong opinions about this. They do. They do. It's true. They and that's really fair. do. That's fair. It's true. Uh Okay, so, yeah, th there's that whole to-do, as you said. There is another popular story about chicken tikka masala's origins that argues that tikka masala was invented by someone of Bangladeshi descent in Britain. Food historians Colleen and Peter Grove are big proponents of this theory, pointing to a 1961 recipe from Balbir Singh's for Shahai Chicken Masala, published in the book Indian Cookery. Peter Grove claims that the Glasgow story was a rumor that he created to appease journalists. <laughs> okay. He got right. so tired of like 
fielding calls about it. He just made up this story, according to him. Um, The Groves also argued that butter chicken was the original chicken tikka masala and placed that dish's origins to a new deli restaurant called Moti Mahal that opened its doors in 1948. According to them, the chef worked with a local man to create the first tandoori spice mix, which was black pepper, ground coriander, and a mild red pepper. They then used that to marinate their chicken, and not wanting to waste the resulting flavored chicken juice, the cooks added butter and tomato to it. Uh, yeah, the, the story here goes that the chef, um, Kundan Lal, was also the first person to use a, a tandoor oven, which is, is traditionally used for breads, to cook this marinated chicken. And then this cooked cubed tandoori chicken was then tossed in that sauce. There you go, butter chicken. It was a pretty immediate hit, and it spread throughout the country, and from there, the world. So the story goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but this story, um, experts in food history in this region do support the story. Um, and today, Lal's grandson still owns the family restaurant and has, like, expanded the brand to 120 restaurants in India, plus franchises in the Middle East and Africa and New Zealand. Um, he's also got cookbooks, all kinds of stuff going on. It's it's a it's a really fascinating little, little slice. Yeah. Um, and then another piece of this chicken tikka masala puzzle, uh, is that in the 60s, there was an influx of Bangladeshi people to the United Kingdom, and many of them opened Indian restaurants with westernized dishes like chicken tikka masala. So there's that. Uh, And then uh, certainly from articles I read, there are some Indian chefs that said there's nothing called chicken tikka masala in India. Some argue that even so, it is still an Indian dish. It's just popular everywhere else but India. <laughs> um, Hong Kong Indian restaurant owner Ashutosh Bisht makes the case that the tikka part goes back 5,000 years when the clay tandoor ovens were invented. The first emperor of the Mughal dynasty, Barber, who he was worried about choking on bones, so he ordered his chefs to get rid of the bones during medieval times. That's when that probably would have happened. A chef at Delhi's Kareem Hotel claimed that the 1961 recipe that we mentioned earlier has been passed down from generation to generation in his family, making it truly of Indian descent. Okay. Yeah. I, I I cannot personally argue with with any of these, but I love that that's officially three and a half, four ish yeah. origin stories. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of people making claims. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, and at any rate, um, in 2015, the city council in Salisbury, England, kind of put their foot in it really hard when um, when they informed a local street food vendor that she could not sell chicken tikka masala, at a St. George's Day celebration, um, uh, which is the feast day for St. George, which is the patron saint of England. Because, they said, this this festival, all the dishes sold at it had to be English-themed. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, no. And apparently, according to them, chicken tikka masala didn't didn't make the grade. Um, But there was a kerfuffle. They later apologized and invited her and her chicken tikka masala back. So... Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know so many, like, <laughs> recent, <laughs> uh, like, politicians trying to make it a <laughs> national food. I got a kerfuffle at a St. George's Day celebration. Yeah. Wow. 
you know? I I had always just thought of it as a as a tasty comfort food, kind of kind of warm and spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Delicious with naan. I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not know. I did not know. And now we do. Mm-hmm. And so do you listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we know that a lot of people have a lot of different theories. <laughs> That's yeah. really all we can offer you at this juncture. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have any information on <laughs> the history of chicken tikka masala, I mean, we are all ears. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And speaking of, we do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Hole. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. 
be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener. That's my face when I realize that I'm not going to get to the bottom of a history section. Oh, no. I'll never know. Uh, Mysteries, histories. It's true. So many of them. So many of them. Um, For our listener mail today, we have two messages about Girl Scout cookies, but in Canada. Ah, yes. Erin wrote, thank you for your lighthearted podcast about Girl Scout cookies. I have many friends in the USA, and I'm always delighted to see the cookies sold by their daughters. I am a 25-year member of the Girl Guides of Canada and a mom of a brownie of my own. Every year in Canada, we also sell cookies, but the system is very different. We only have two kinds of cookies, which are each sold in their own season. Fall cookies are similar to a thin mint. They have a chocolate cookie base covered with a white mint cream layer, and the whole thing is covered in chocolate. These are often the best seller, and they freeze really well to pull out at Christmas. (laughs) Spring cookies are sandwich cookies and two flavors, chocolate on chocolate, most similar to a fudgio cookie. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's news to me, fudgio. And the vanilla is like vanilla Oreo. These cookies have remained virtually unchanged for 30 years, though they are now peanut-free guaranteed. So it is always entertaining to see all of the American flavors. Huh. Oh, I like that. I like a I like a good cookie tradition. Yeah. Oh. You know I love a good cookie tradition. I live for a good cookie tradition. <laughs> oh, um, Melissa wrote, 
I recently listened to the podcast about Girl Scout cookies and remembered a time from my childhood when I was a girl guide, since we don't have Girl Scouts in Canada. In Canada, we only have chocolate mint, which is sold in the fall, and chocolate and vanilla sandwich ones that are sold in the spring. When I was in middle school, I was a pathfinder, uh, girls in grades 7 to 9. My sisters were also in guides, uh, girls in grades 4 to 6, and my mom was a guider in my sister's unit. That spring, the unit that my mom was with had several girls quit partway through the year, and the cookies were already ordered. When they arrived for the season, they were stacked in the entryway of the house. Because so many girls quit, we got stuck with the now extra cases of cookies and trying to sell them. It was around 20 cases of cookies stacked near the front door of our home. Because of this, we were selling them into the summer months. To this day, I only buy cookies from members that are in grades 7 and up because it is so much harder to sell them when you're no longer cute and adorable in your uniform. <laughs> I've never really thought about that aspect of it. Oh, oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if it like a, like a sassy fourth grader is like, buy cookies now, I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. Like, here you go. <laughs> if, a, if a seventh grader is like, cookies, I'm like, ah... So, no, but that's sad. Oh no, definitely. Yes, support support all your local girl scouts, guides, uh, brownies, yes. etc. Whatever. Yes, whatever the terminology is. I I'm definitely. Again, I don't really buy them because I'm a terrible person. But I do send the links to all my friends, and I let them know. So I'm gonna keep. Yeah, no matter the age. You're you're supportive. You're you're a you're a cookie supporter. I am a cookie supporter. <laughs> a proud cookie supporter. <laughs> Thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. 
Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.